Revelation chapter 12. Instead of reading a big bunch, Scripture like this, it's easy to get caught up in the imagery. Let's just read a couple verses. and We'll see as we go. Try to look and see. So in verse number 9, let's start. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That's what we'll read for now. So if you look at the first part of this chapter, he's going to see a woman clothed with the sun, standing on the moon, a crown of 12 stars. She's waiting to bring forth a child. I think you can see her travail and her pains in birth. That Old Testament church, that Abraham's seed and lineage, and how that the Lord had promised that through Abraham's lineage, the Lord Jesus was going to come, that there was going to be deliverance and salvation to come. But you know, from, from the time those promises were made, you could even go all the way back to Eve. The promise was made that from her seed was going to come a deliverer that was going to crush the head of this very same serpent that you see here. From the time that those promises were made until the time that the Lord came forth, there was great turmoil, great trouble, great strife, and and a warring. And you know, you, a lot of times we look at that naturally, but really what you see naturally is a result of what's going on spiritually. How that the devil and the enemy of God and of us as well is at war and at fight against the truth and against the work that God is seeking to do. And you know, if it were possible, if it was in the devil's power, a lot of people have a sovereign devil, but if, if it was in his power at all to bring an end to this redemption that was coming, he would have done it. You know, in, in one place in the book of the Kings, the mother of one of the kings, now we're talking about the lineage of David. God had promised that in David's lineage was going to come this Savior of the world. And her wanting to usurp authority for herself sought to kill all of the sons of the king. Now, you look at that naturally, you say, well, she's just looking to exalt herself. But there's something wider going on there as well. The devil's looking to end that seed. If the devil can kill all of the children of David, then, then this promise of God's been broken. But you know, God's at work there. She killed all of them but one. There was one that was hidden. And through that, God brought forth this promise. But it was not without great turmoil and strife in the lives of men and women. And so this child is brought forth. Jesus comes. The devil's there to devour him when he's born. We see that in the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ. How that when he's born and the wise men come and Herod says every child under two is going to be killed and yet God is there to protect him and the devil cannot stop. Though he's at war and trying to stop the plan and the working of God, he's unable to do that. And the Lord defeats him. He ascends back to God and we see all that here in the first part of chapter 12. He ascends back to God and He's at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit is sent back that the church, the New Testament church, might be built. And so here we see, you know, you can look at 7, 8, 9. You can look at that as a whole, corporately. But really this happens in every generation and in every individual that comes to redemption in Jesus. There's this war in the heavenly place. 
and anybody that's been brought into the kingdom, it's with much tribulation that we're brought in. We're, we don't just slide into this world. You know, if, if you've ever had children, if you've ever been in the delivery room when a child has come forth, they don't just pop out and there they are, but there's that labor and travail that happens. Well, we see that here. War in the heavenly place. In them that are saved, the Word of God and the Spirit is at work convincing, convicting, and drawing man to the salvation that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just because the devil can't stop it doesn't mean he doesn't try. And he's there with every lie and every deceit and every uh, evil work that he can muster to stop the salvation of the saints. Now, he couldn't stop the Lord Jesus from accomplishing his mission. And he can't stop the Lord from saving his people either, though he tries and though he wars. And so this war in heaven, he's going to be cast out. And there we read the great dragon. Listen to the meaning of these names. That old serpent. So that word old, it means the original or primeval. This isn't some new somebody. This is the same devil and the same serpent that you see all the way back in the beginning. The Lord says of this serpent that he was a murderer from the beginning and he was a liar and the father of it. So you know that there was no lies in God's created world till the devil came along. It was all truth until the devil come. And why did he introduce these lies? To bring death. You see that? He's, he's evil. And so that, that old serpent called the devil traducer or slanderer and Satan the accuser which deceiveth to cause to roam from safety the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels cast out with him. Now is that not how the devil works? He's a slanderer. Who does he slander? He slanders God. He slanders the Word of God. He slanders the church of God. He slanders the men of God. He slanders the truth. He slanders that that's right. And why is he doing this? To cause man to roam from the safety of the Lord Jesus and God Almighty Himself. There in the garden, you know, Adam and Eve, they were there in absolute safety. They had the protection of God upon Him. They had no enemies there. They had no danger to worry about. They had nothing to fear. And the devil's lies caused them to roam from the safety of God and into the danger of sin. And so the devil here, the old slanderer and the traducer, he's cast out of the heavenly place, but he's cast into the earth. So here he's not completely destroyed. You see that? He still exists. Though he's cast out, he's still present. And that's that's what we see for us, isn't it? That though the devil is cast out of the heavenly place, you know, there's... There's two of everybody that's here. There's a natural man that's of the earth, earthy, with a fleshly body and a fleshly mind and a fleshly heart. But in that as well, there's a soul that was breathed in from God. That one part was made out of the earth. The other part came from heaven. You see that? And so the heavenly man, the devil is cast out of the heavenly man. And he's cast out into the earth, the earthly man. Still present, still at work, but no longer is he in the control and on the throne of that inward man. Do you know how the flesh acts? It lives and behaves itself according to the inward desire of the individual. Well, the the devil's been cast off of the throne of the inward man and he's been cast out into the earth and he hears a loud voice saying in heaven now, the flesh is not saying this, but in the heavenly place now has come salvation 
rescue or safety. And strength, that word, it's the same word that we get the word dynamite from. Miraculous power. And the kingdom of our God, the rule, the reign, the realm of God, and the power of His Christ. So what's happened here? By miraculous power. Now that's what the word means there, dunamis, miraculous power. And the picture of dynamite, I've said this before, but in that little stick, just a little stick that looks like nothing, there is miraculous power in there. If you didn't know what that was, and you seen it for the first time, I, I believe we'd be amazed at what's held in that little power. Well, it's by miraculous power that God brings His church out of and out from under the power and control of the devil. You know why that is? Because man's under the devil and man can't do anything about that. Man can't defeat the devil. Man can't overcome his lies. Man can't save himself. So it must be a power that's greater than man that delivers him from that. It's by the miraculous power of God that rescue and safety comes to the souls of them that are saved. How are they saved? By the miraculous power of Almighty God. It's not a light thing for somebody to be born into this kingdom. It's a miracle. The working of God among men and strength and the kingdom of our God. Now as this child is born in, he's born into the rule and the realm of God. He is, as Paul wrote in one place, he's translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Where did we once live? By the natural man we live according to the devil and according to the natural will of the flesh. We were under His power. We were under His unction. And we were under His authority. We live there under the power of darkness and God has translated us. He's brought us out of darkness and into the light, the kingdom of light the kingdom of His dear Son. So where the devil once was in control, now the Lord is in control. Where the devil once was the ruler over the inward man, God is now the ruler over the inward man. And this this is how people are changed that's brought into the kingdom of God. God's now in control of that life. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Now we got some courtroom words here. That word accuser, it means complainant or prosecutor. So the prosecutor of the brethren is cast down, which accused to charge with a crime them before our God day and night. So what's the devil doing here? Well, can you see that as God would draw David to Himself, as God would draw Abraham unto Himself, as God would draw me and you to Himself, there's the accuser, the prosecutor, and he's charging us with crimes. And he says, God... You can't let him come to you. He's guilty of this. He's guilty of that. She's done this and she's done that. And you can't legally bring them before you because they're guilty of a crime. You see that? God being just and God being holy and God unable to look on sin and there's the devil and he's accusing. He's not accusing God. He's not accusing Jesus, but he's accusing the brethren. And when's he doing it? Day and night. Always on his job. That, you know, even even in us, in our flesh, as we would come to pray, he would accuse us and slander us as well. You see how he's working? He's working against the church. He's working against the people of God. And he's seeking to slander us, cause us to doubt God. That's what he's doing. But he's been cast out. Though he accuses, now this is in them that are saved. Though he accuses, 
His accusations and His charges against us have been throughout. It's like going to court. You go down to the courthouse and the, the prosecutor has charged you with a crime and there's been evidence brought forth and the judge says this is absolute foolishness. I'm throwing this case out. That's what God has done. Now how can God do that? It's through this Son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus has came and, and Jesus having carried the debt of our sin and our guilt, our infirmities, our trouble, our rebellion against God, all of that was laid on the back of Jesus and He carried the weight of that to the cross. And there they beat His back and as He's being beaten on His back and as He's bruised, my bruises and my sores are being healed. As He's being nailed to the cross and as He's giving His life there, and His blood is being shed. It's my debt that's being paid. So now when the prosecutor comes in before God Almighty and says, listen here, you've got no right to bring that man. That's a wicked man. That's a sinful man. And every accusation he's got is true. He's right about me. I am a wicked man. And I am a sinful man. And I've lived a sinful life. And I will live a sinful life. But you know, we've got, we've got a, a defense attorney. We've got a paraclete there with a father. And he says, listen, he may be guilty, but you can bring him near to you because I have already paid In the Son, Jesus, and His death, our debt is paid for and the prosecutor no longer has a case. There's a lot of those courtroom words in the Bible. There is therefore no condemnation. That's an adverse sentence. You know, the devil in them that are placed in Jesus Christ, the devil's got no case against them any longer. That's the truth. He's been cast out and their sins forgiven under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and they overcame Him to subdue. They've subdued this prosecutor. You're going to see that on over as well. The prosecutor, the accuser, he's going to be subdued. Who's going to subdue him? The angel. He's going to come and bind him and He's going to cast him into the bottomless pit. And there His accusations, they go with Him. His lies and deceit, they go with Him. Ain't you glad today maybe, maybe it don't mean a lot. Maybe it's, maybe it's not being said well. But ain't you glad that we've got a representative before God for us that the debt of sin is paid and there's, there's no case against you if you're hid in Jesus Christ, that we've got, you know, it'd be a bad thing to not have any assurance of salvation. If we were left to wonder, Lord, is, is this charge going to stick? I would imagine that'd be a bad place to be, to be under the prosecutor, to know you've got a court date coming up, whether you're innocent or not. You're weighing that out and saying, I wonder if they'll find me not guilty. I hope my lawyer presents a case good enough. Ain't you glad the church ain't in that place? We don't whether we're free or not. We know that we are through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been cast down. I'm not waiting on Him to be cast out of the heavenly place. He's cast out. Though He's still at work in the earth. So they subdued Him by the channel of an act. So how, what did they use to subdue the devil, the prosecutor? The blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So what's the church got then to run the prosecutor out of town? Well, first we've got the blood, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the prosecutor comes, Lord, you may be right, but I've got the blood of the Lamb. He has paid the sin debt 
and I no longer owe that to God. The Lord has set me free through His shedding of blood. It's important to always remember, sin doesn't just disappear into the sky. It's not just swept under the rug, but it was laid on the Lord's back and He died for that. He paid for that. Sin is done away with because He carried it to the cross and nailed it there. And by the word of their testimony, another courtroom word, it means evidence given. You know, there's if this work is done, there's evidence that this work has been done. Not evidence from me, not something that I provide of myself, but it, it works, he works through me. But you know the evidence of this work, he says that when we believe the gospel, we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That God, as, as we come to God in Jesus Christ, God took our, if you'll have it, our account sheet, our, our debt sheet, the list of our iniquities and sins, and God took the stamp. You know, you know how this works. You've been in an account, maybe not anymore, but you had that bill, and when they sent in the check, you had a stamp paid, paid in full. Well, that's the picture we've got right here. That as we come to the Lord Jesus, as we're placed in Him and our dead and our sins are forgiven, God pulls out His stamp and He stamps paid in full. But it's not an ink stamp on my hand. It's not a piece of paper that I get from the church that's stamped. But it's the stamp of God is the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that my sins are gone? It's because God has given me of His Spirit. You know what that spirit is? He's the third person of the Godhead. He's a co-equal with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. But He is the seal of God. He's the assurance of salvation. He is that down payment, that earnest. He's not my full redemption. I've not got the full redemption yet. That'll come at the end. But He is the evidence given that I know that my sin debt has been paid. And when the Lord comes back, I don't have an adverse sentence to be afraid of. He says it this way in Revelation, To him that overcometh, I'll give a white stone. And in that white stone, a new name. And history would say that That white stone was given if you were accused of a crime and you went to court and you were found not guilty. They didn't have TV and news like we've got today. So if you were found not guilty and acquitted, they gave you a white stone. And when you went to go get a job or you went to go by and they said, we don't want you in here, you've done such and such a crime, you could pull out the white stone and say, look, I was found innocent and this is the evidence that I'm innocent. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is as the devil would accuse me. Now if I, if I have not the Spirit, if I am not indwelled by the Spirit of God, I've got no evidence that my debt's paid and that I'm forgiven. But I tell you, we've, the church, them that are in Christ, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word of the evidence given. That's the meaning of the word. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So they were brought then to such a place that their own self, they were willing to lay down in order to have this salvation. That's got to be that way. In order to truly be saved, man's got to lay aside all of His good deeds. I believe there's the, there's the hardest part. To lay aside what I think and my opinion of myself that I might come to God 
and receive this forgiveness of sins. I think, well, I'm good enough. I think I can make my case against this slanderer. I think I can go up against this prosecutor and I can beat him. Well, I want you to know that the only case this prosecutor ever loses is against the Lord Jesus. He's undefeated against everybody else. Everyone that faces Him outside of the Lord Jesus is guilty. And so listen, I I didn't mean to spend this long here. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Now this work of God, it brings great joy to the inward man. That now we're free. Our guilt is gone. That now we're in Christ Jesus and we can rejoice in the salvation that God has provided for us. But remember now, the devil's not destroyed and done away with. He's still there. And so woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So here's the picture then. He's been thrown off of his throne in the inward man. And he's been cast out into the earth. Now you know what that means? As long as we're on the earth, then we're going to have to face this devil. But you know what he's got in, in everyone that's here, even in these little ones? He's just got a little short time. This life is such a vapor and goes by so quickly. He's only got a short time that he might waller them that are saved. And you know what he's got? He's not happy about this. You see that? He has great wrath. He's angry about this. He's upset that he's lost his throne. He's upset that he's no longer ruling over the heart of man. And he's come down to the earth with great wrath. And though there's joy in the heavenly man, woe to the outward man. You know what there's going to be now? There's going to be a battle now that there never was before. Before, when the inward man was ruled by the devil, the outward earth and the inward man, they worked together in unison. What I wanted to do, I done. What I felt like doing, I did. But now that I'm in Jesus, there's an opposition there. And the inward man does not want the flesh to live as he would. And the flesh does not want the inward man to have his way. You know why that is? It's the devil and God. They are continually opposed one to another. And so that's manifested. Even in them that are saved, you can see the warfare that continues. It's true. Paul said it himself. When I would do good, evil's present with me. What I would do, that I do not. What I would not, that I do. My God, we're always... Why are we always in such a battle? Why is it so hard to submit to the will of God? Why is it... I mean, is it easy to submit to God's will? Is it easy to serve God in the flesh? And even though in them that are saved, there's an inward desire to do that. There is a will. That's the God that's moved into your life. There's a desire to do that, yet in the flesh, there is a continual resistance to it. And we find ourselves in this turmoil, continual turmoil and warfare. And when the dragon saw that he was cast out into the earth, you know what the devil thought? The devil thought, I'm going to win this time. Though he's never won, he thought he was going to win. And when he saw, I don't believe he was expecting this, do you? Ain't that the way it is with man too? Man thinks he's going to win. Man thinks I'm going to get to heaven whether I've got anything or not. And when they get there, the Lord says, Who are you? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I know you not. 
whence you are. And here's a bunch of lost men and women that are in their sins, guilty before God, and they're shocked that they're being sent away from God. How could that be? Blind and deceived and believing a lie. Man's believing that he's going to win. Know this, that there is no winning this battle. And so the devil's cast out. He persecuted. What's the first thing he's going to do? That word means to pursue. He's going to pursue the woman which brought forth the man-child. Who's the devil's war with? You know, we, we can look out in the world and we think it's out there. We think the devil's working to make man more and more evil. But by the Word of God, them that are lost... They're dead. They're in trespasses and sins. And they're living according to their corrupt nature. They can't get any worse than they already are. You can't get any more dead than dead. And so here they are. Man's already as bad as he is. You know what's keeping man from reaching the full potential of what he really is? God is withholding. God's preventing man from going to the lows that he would go. That's, that's the truth. Man don't like that. Man thinks he's good enough to keep himself. If it was not for the withholding of God, the devil would have his way completely with man. And we'd be like those sons of Sceva. We'd say, devil, you get out of here. And the devil would whoop us and we'd run out of shame. But the, the Lord is withholding man. Who's not warring out in the world to try to keep them? Jesus tells me Himself that a strong man armed, when he keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. But you know when there's trouble, when another one comes to fight against him. So now the Lord has saved this people the Lord's delivered them from darkness and He's brought them into His kingdom. He's made new creatures out of them. And do you know where He built this church? He didn't call us up. In, we're not in heaven right now. He didn't call us out of this world. But He's building this church in enemy territory. You see that? He's building it on hostile ground. And so the church, Hot Springs Free Will, you know where that's built on? It's built in a community that's filled with people that are under the influence of the devil. And the church as a whole and every individual body, there it sits amongst the enemy and an enemy territory. The Lord has put His church in amongst the world that the devil is control over. He's the ruler of darkness. And our world is a world of darkness. I'm not contradicting myself. He's not a sovereign devil. He's got authority that's delegated. The only authority and power He's got is what the Lord allows Him to have. You can see that in Job. He's asking... Lord, pull your hand back so I can do something here. Lord, stop preventing me so that I can act against this man Job. And so the, Lord, the Lord's in control of all things. Recognize that. But the church is positioned amongst a world that's under the control of the devil himself in enemy territory. And so the devil then, he's turning against... You know what he's turning against? That that opposes His rule and His reign. So the church then, Paul wrote to Timothy, and Paul said that the church was the pillar and ground of the truth. The devil is, he's the opposite. He's a liar and the father of it. He was a liar in the beginning. He's a liar today. And that's how he's holding man 
with lies. Do you see that? He's not got people bound and making them stay out of church. He's not got armed guards preventing people from coming in. That's not the case today. But you know what's keeping people from the house of God? You know what kept people out of church tonight? The devil sold them a lie that they're all right the way they are and they don't need it. You don't need to be saved. You don't need a representative. You don't need Jesus. You're fine the way you are. And they're believing His lie. They're believing it. And so the church, the church has the Word of God, the Holy Spirit in the midst of them, the preaching of the Gospel. And you know what that does? The God's truth, that opposes the work that the devil is doing. It's against his lies. You know what corrects a lie? The truth. And so as the church is presenting and representing the truth, it's correcting the lies that's in the hearts and minds of the people. And the devil's not going to take that sitting down. So what's he going to do? He's going to pursue after her. And the remnant of her seed. He's going to first try to cast a flood out of his mouth and carry her away in that. Not a flood of water, but a flood of false doctrines and teachings and thoughts and opinions that would turn man from really the simple truth of the Word of God. And do you know when that happened? Boy, it didn't take long. But it looks like Paul the Apostle, especially to the church at Galatia, he's up, you know what he's up against? A false doctrine and a false gospel contrary to the Word of God. It looks like the Apostle John in his letters. You know what he's up against? A people that was teaching and promoting a false doctrine. And the devil has flooded the world with his false teaching and false preaching to try to draw man from the truth. And the Lord said, if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. But you know, it's, it's not possible. Right. You know why? Because we're kept by the power of God. Amen. It's God that keeps and that prevents Satan from overrunning the church. But he's at war. Two wings are going to be given to the woman. She's going to be carried out into the wilderness. She's going to be fed and cared for. But the wilderness now, that's, that word means lonesome or desert. Or solitary. You know what she is in this life? The truth is she's lonely. There's there's nobody else that's like her on the face of the earth. There's no other people that's like the church that's on the face of the earth. And you know, maybe it was more prevalent then than it is now. But I believe it is now if you're going to walk and follow after the will of God, you will be cut off. You will be ostracized. You will be made an enemy. You'll be mocked and made fun of. You're going to live in a solitary and a dark place. I've been there a few times and you feel like Elijah felt like. You say, why are we the only ones? Because the church is the only ones. But I'll tell you what she is. She's fed and she's nourished. And she's cared for, not by man, but by God Almighty Himself. And so the church in the midst of enemy territory, David said, you fix a table for me in the presence of mine enemies, even amongst the devil's crowd and in the face of the devil himself. The Lord's got His church and the very gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so, the earth helped the woman And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. Now the devil, he's got enough sense to know he's not wroth with God. What's he going to do to God? Would you say that God is untouchable? I believe that. I would say that Jesus 
is untouchable. He suffered once. He's not going to suffer again. The Holy Spirit outside of the devil's realm. He's not in the spiritual place anymore. He's in the earth, remember? The Spirit is untouchable. But you know what's touchable? This man right here that lives and moves and has his being in the earth. And it's there that the devil's going to concentrate his attack. I can't throw God off the throne. I can't undo what Jesus has done. I can't wrangle out the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to pursue. I'm going to do my best to persecute and cast down every one of them that he saves in this world. Do you believe that? I believe that's what this Scripture says. And the dragon was wroth with the woman though she had nothing to do with it. He's wroth with her and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. The remaining ones. The remainder. You know, there's there's a pile of folks that's been in this war that Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have stood the test. But you know where he's at now? He's not in this war any longer. He's went home to be with the Lord. And there's been many more that's been in this war that's no longer fighting it anymore. You know what they've got? I believe Paul was looking forward to laying down the fighting gear and going to glory and resting with God. All the devil's got is right here and right now. He can't afflict the church once she's delivered out of this world. He's out of his authority when the saved leave this world. But He's at war with the remaining ones. All of those that are still alive and living on the earth, He's after them, which keep the commandments of God. Now, we're not careful. We can take every time we see that and say, well, that's talking about how good I'm doing. But what the word really means is to guard from injury or loss. Anybody kept the commandments this week? Then we're in trouble if that's what this means. Agreed? But you see, it's the truth that's under attack. We're we're not perfect. And we'll never be perfect. And we're never going to be justified because we're perfect. Because we can't be perfect. But I'll tell you what the church is doing. She's doing her best by the grace of God in her to stand and uphold the truth that as the world attacks on the very commandments of God, as the world and the government and everything round about us approves that that's contrary to God, here is the church guarding and protecting the truth of God from being drugged through the mud. Remember, she's the pillar and ground of the truth. God has taken His truth and laid it on the backs of His church that we might bear the standard in a world of wickedness. And so, I've been a lot longer than I thought I would be in Revelation 13. Now, we've just left The last place we see in 12, he's going to make war. The devil is going to make war with a remnant of the seed of the woman. Which have, I I, I missed the last part of that verse. They keep, they guard from loss the commandments of God and have the testimony, same word as in 10, the evidence given of Jesus Christ. He's at war with them that are born of the Spirit and the Spirit indwells in them. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast. Now that word beast, we may take that to mean a lot of things. As it was written here, it means a dangerous animal. That as John wrote this, he had in mind a venomous or a ravenous beast that was a danger to human life. But it's not the natural life. Remember what we're talking about. A warfare against the truth. And here comes this dangerous animal out of the sea. 
Now if we look in other places in Revelation, the sea is nations, languages, tongues, and people. So this beast is coming up out of the people. You see that? It's, it's a product and it's being produced by the people that's living under the devil's rule and authority. Having seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns, ten crowns, upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. You know what this beast looks like? Looks like something important. Looks like something powerful. Looks like something that's of God. And it looks like that it has all the authority and power. Now that's what the devil would like for everybody to believe. That he has the power and that he has the authority. Now what's this beast going to do? Now I don't want to read into a lot of this imagery and us get lost in that. Besides that I'm not an expert in it. But he is going to, verse 5, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given to him. So that's delegated influence. So he's given power to continue 40 and 2 months. He opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lord, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So what's happening here? Well, out of the people comes a beast. And I, I believe you could look at all manner of things here, but it's, it's worldliness. A beast of worldliness that's produced from the aspirations and desires of man in the flesh, that's produced from uh, the government and the authority of man in the flesh. And you know what all of this is? It's there to oppose and to draw away people from the truth of God. The devil would like for me to worship the things of the world and to go after the things of the world, to desire the things of the world, to hunger after gain and pleasure and entertainment and all things worldly. He'd like for me to go after that. My effort and my desire to be there and the things of God slide to the back. That, that would be the devil's desire. You know, the world, he's not fighting for the world's time. They're captivated by it. You see it? You see it how that the world, their minds and their hearts are captivated by worldliness. They can't get enough. They can't be satisfied. And I tell you what it does. It takes man's mind and heart away from the weighty matters of the Spirit, does it not? And so through this, and through a, a pressure of the world as well, a lot of times when you see affliction in the Bible, that's what it means, is a pressure. So this beast is applying pressure. You know what I'm pressured to be? More worldly. You know what I'm pressured to do? Forget about God. What are you talking about? You're not going to do this. What are you talking about that you've got to serve God? Why, I serve God the way that I am. And there the church is in conflict and there there's pressure to go away from God. We're going to see another beast that's going to come up out of the earth. He's going to have two horns and he looks like a lamb, but when he speaks, he sounds like a dragon. And you know what he's going to do? Oh, he's, he's going to promote a doctrine of worldliness. So we've got the worldly nature and we've got false religion with it. And you know what false religion's doing? It's pushing me to the beast. Yes. Go ahead and enjoy. Go ahead and have. That's what false religion says. It says go ahead and enjoy and serve and worship the beast. Don't give God. His rightful place. Don't serve and fear God, but serve and fear the world. Let your loyalty and let your dedication be to the world. Now think about this. 
I, I believe this is the truth. That's where many of man is today. His loyalty, his dedication, his love, his affection, his desire, his effort, and his time, and his strength, it's spent in everything worldly. You want to know a good way to determine it? If you die and you're not taking it with you, it's worldly. And so there man's captivated. And in his mind he thinks he's still serving God. And people's got a God in their mind. Why, God's okay with this. God's alright with me doing this. God's alright with me taking part in a little sin. God doesn't, He's not worried about what I'm doing here. He's fine with this. And so the beast, the first beast, and the second beast, both dangerous animals, what are they after? Spiritual death and destruction. They're out to steal and to kill and to destroy. And do you know where both of them are getting their power? Why, the devil ain't in the things of the world. The devil ain't behind all of that. We can see it right here in Revelation 13 that that old serpent, the original serpent, the red dragon, he's the one giving power to the beast and he's the one giving power to the the lamb, the beast that looks like a lamb. He's the one behind every bit of it. Because now if the devil come with a fork tail and a pitchfork, we'd all be aware of who he is. And we'd say, wait a minute, he's a bad guy. I should not spend time with him. But he comes dressed up. And he comes in another form. And he comes in a way that's deceiving. And he comes subtly. And we're unaware that it's him. And he's creeping in on us. And he's stealing from us. And he's robbing from us. He's taking it out of our pocket. And we don't even know that it's the devil. A subtle enemy. Who's he wanting to rob from? He's got the world. He's got them. He's not fighting against the world. You see, he's bringing his beast out of the world. You know where the pressure comes from? From your neighbors and from your co-workers and from your friends and from your family and from those you love and from those you're near to. You know what they're all trying to do? The devil's in them. The devil's working. And you know it looks like the right thing. But boy, the dragon is feeding them to bring us away from God. It's the truth. So what should we do? What should we do? God help us to be aware of what's going on in our lives day by day. Let us not live oblivious. Why, nothing's going on here. Everything's just hunky-dory. The devil's not bothering me a bit. No warfare going on. We're either either blind to it or we're lost. That's all that there can be. God help us to be aware. Paul said in one place, I can't remember. I can't remember the word that he uses. But we're aware of his devices. It's what he's saying. God help us to be aware of the devices that the devil would use against us. That's all that.